If I've not met you before, my name's Ian. I'm the site pastor of this site in North Cardiff with my wife Sophie. Um, and it, it, as it's already been said this morning, if you're here for the first time, you are so welcome. It's wonderful that you're with us this morning. Um, I hope you've all had a good week. Uh, out of interest, how many of you guys have had pancakes this week? Woo-hoo! Oh yeah, it's good. That's good. I love pancakes. We love pancakes. My family. We actually did manage to have pancakes on Tuesday, but made up for it. I made sure there was a big stack of pancakes. Um, a small group on Thursday night, so uh, we dived into them there and loved love pancakes. Lemon shrew all the way. Um, obviously, Pancake Day or Shrove Tuesday. Um, marks the beginning of Lent, as Ali said. And as she shared a few minutes ago, we have loads of great things going on uh, throughout Lent to help you seek God and connect with Him and just begin to prepare for the period of Easter. So Lent is really a time about reflection and preparation and just being more intentional about seeking God. And so this morning I would love to encourage you off the back of what Ali said to try and find ways to engage with some of the different things we're doing. She's listed off a number of things that we were either running as a church or resources that we've given you. I'd love to encourage you to find a way. Don't just write it off. Uh, I know that we can be busy and there can be a lot going on, but what is it like in this season for you to find a way to connect? I'd love to encourage you to do that. If you were here last week, then you will also know that we have begun a new new sermon series uh, called Kingdom Carriers. And this is based on one of our values as a church, that we want to be people who carry the kingdom everywhere we go. And what that means, uh, what that looks like is that we want to allow God to use us to see his kingdom come, to see his will, his plans and his goodness released in this city, in the schools, in the businesses, in family, in community, everywhere. That his goodness and his desires would fill every aspect of life in this city. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to pick up where Paul left off last week. Last week, Paul kicked us off, um, kicked off this series by looking at the authority we have as followers of Jesus. And how right at the beginning of the Bible, we see how we were made in God's image, and that he gave us authority to partner with him and shape the culture around us. And Paul showed us how Jesus reiterated this partnership. Uh, in Matthew 28. And in a sense, he recommissioned us, once again, giving us authority to influence and shape the world around us, and to go and make disciples. And it was a fantastic introduction to this series. And if you didn't hear it last week, if you weren't here, I'd thoroughly recommend getting online and giving us a listen to you. Um, just to let you know, there will be no £10 notes given out for free this week. If you came expecting, I'm sorry to let you down there. Um, yeah, I've been saving all week, but I just couldn't be up to it. So I just didn't think I could do it. Maybe next week. Um, so if we take the words that Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And if we accept these words, that if we accept that these words are as true for us today as they were to the disciples he told them, we come to this amazing conclusion that we are able to carry the kingdom into the places we go because Jesus has given us authority to do all the things that he did. Now, I don't know about you, but that both excites me and makes me a little bit uncomfortable, you know? And the reason that this makes me slightly uncomfortable is because I know that often my life doesn't always reflect that. Often, I don't feel like I live as a person who walks and talks and prays with the king's authority. And I certainly don't always feel like I see the results of walking in that authority 
that Jesus has given me. Now, it might be just me that feels this way, but I have a suspicion that I'm not alone feeling like that. And I imagine that actually there's many of us who feel this way. We might feel like we walk in some authority and we see some breakthrough, but we know that there's more, right? Maybe um, many of us know that we are what we are currently living and experiencing isn't the fullness of what Jesus has given us and called us to. If Jesus gave us all authority, then surely there must be more than what we know, right? So this leads me to ask these questions. Firstly, if Jesus has given us all authority in heaven and on earth, why is it that so often we don't see the fullness of this in our lives? Why don't we see it? And secondly, what would it take for us to walk in greater authority? What would it take for us to see kingdom breakthrough everywhere, every day? These are, some of, these are the questions I want to address this morning. Now I imagine that these are probably similar questions to those that the disciples would have been asking as they followed Jesus. Jesus was the model kingdom carrier. If you want to know what it looks like to be a kingdom carrier, look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels. He demonstrated perfectly what it should look like to carry the kingdom. Well, the disciples, uh, they followed him everywhere. They spent every day with him, they saw everything. How he lived, how he spoke, what frustrated him, what moved him, what excited him. They saw everything he did. They saw the compassion he had for people. They saw what his prayer life looked like. They saw the intimacy he had with his Father in heaven. And they also saw the authority he had when he prayed. When Jesus prayed, things changed. The sick were healed, demons fled, water was turned into wine, trees withered, storms were calmed, food multiplied, the dead were raised. When Jesus prayed, the kingdom of heaven came on earth. And so on one occasion, the disciples came to him and they asked him to teach them how to pray. They wanted what he had and they recognized that there was something special in the way that he so if you've got a Bible with you, I'd love to encourage you to turn to Matthew 6, which is right at the beginning of the New Testament. And this is the passage that we're going to be in this morning. This is where, and we're going to look at what Jesus teaches them about how to pray. It might be a passage that you're familiar with. And if you haven't got a Bible, don't worry, because I'm sure the verses will appear behind me. This was his response. We're going to start in verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For the Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And my Bible had a note at the bottom to say that some versions record that Jesus finished that prayer this way. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so for the remainder of this morning, I just want to unpack verses 5 to 10 and see what Jesus teaches us about developing a close relationship with God in prayer. 
and also how this is linked to our authority as kingdom carriers. So let's, let's start in verses 5 to 6. <clears throat> when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and, street, and on the street corners to be seen by others. The Pharisees in Jesus' time loved to pray, and they prayed loads, way more than, I, than we probably pray. But the problem was that they made prayer all about being seen to do the right things by others. And as a result, they'd actually abandoned the whole point of prayer, which is about cultivating your, cultivating your relationship with God. That's what prayer is about. In these verses, Jesus sets out to teach his followers that creating space to connect with God should be done in private, before an audience of just one, our Father in Heaven. Now, I don't think that Jesus is suggesting for one minute that the only place that you can pray is in your room. But I do think that what he's saying is that we ought to set aside room in our lives to meet with God. And as I'm sure we're all aware, this isn't easy, is it? It's not easy to do this. As much as I try and I strive, sometimes it can be hard to just feel like I've found time in the day. I know that in my own life, it can become so easy to neglect prayer and spending time with God. And it's not like I try to avoid it purposefully. It's not like I'm intentionally doing that. Uh, sadly, it's just sometimes it's one of those things that just either slips off the radar or just falls down the list of priorities. I don't know if you find a similar thing. It's like that friend that you keep meaning to contact and you keep saying, oh yeah, we must catch up. But the days and the weeks go by and you just forget to check in. And eventually it dawns on you that we just haven't spoken properly in a very long time. You know, a few months ago, God gave me a really clear picture spoken to my own life. It was of a hot air balloon being prepared at the top of a hill. And I was, as I was meditating and being led um, by the Spirit through this picture, in my mind I started to make my way up this hill towards the balloon. And as I approached the basket, there was a man in the basket, and I was just so aware that it was God. And he said to me, Ian, I'm inviting you to come and spend more time with me. This was a few months ago. I'm inviting you to spend more time with me, but there's only room for one other person in this basket. This isn't a place that I want you to bring other people with you. I want you to come alone. I want this time with you, just you and me. It was an invitation for intimacy with God. And I knew as this scene played out in my mind, and as God spoke to me, that this was an invitation to connect with him. But I was also so aware that this wasn't just an invitation for a one-time moment. That this was something that God, this was a significant encounter with God that he wanted to call me back to again and again. And so since then, sometimes when I'm trying to seek God, this is often a scene that I go back to. I return to that hill in my mind as I'm meditating with God, and I just return to that hot air balloon and I say, Hey God, hey Father, and I just meet him there and say, What do you want to show me today? What do you want to show me today? And so it's a place that I've gone back to time and time again. I've actually gone so far as to make, uh, I think the picture's going to be, I've made this my wallpaper screen on my laptop. So that every day when I'm working or when I'm on my laptop, I see that and it's just a reminder. Get back in that place with God. And just see it and I'm like, you know, it's been a long time since I've been there. This is something I've been trying to do more and more. And I've still got a long way to go with it. But I know that those times when I choose to make space in my life and spend time with God in conversation, those times are so good for my soul. I feel so much better when I come away from those times. 
So Jesus says we should make space in our lives to connect with God in a secret, private place of prayer. He says that in this. So let's move on and take a look at the next couple of verses, verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So there are a couple of things I just want to draw out of these, passages, uh, these verses. Firstly, prayer isn't supposed to be a one-way conversation. Prayer is as much, if not more, about listening to God than it is about talking to him. The pagans had turned their prayers into repetitive, formulaic, superstitious incantations. There was no, there was no relationship. Their prayers didn't come from the heart. They were just offering up meaningless words and vain repetitions. They completely missed the point. And the truth is, we could spend the rest of our lives talking to God, but never really connecting with Him. Talking all the time, but never having a genuine experience of intimacy with our Father. Now, I'll be honest, sometimes this kind of uh, dynamic can happen within my marriage with Soph. Uh, it's mostly my fault. Uh, let me explain. I'm a talker. You might have picked up on that. I can talk and talk and talk. I could talk for Britain if they asked me to. And, and you might even be thinking that night, like, man, he goes on. Um, well, occasionally, or, or probably quite often, I'll start talking to Sophie about something. This often happens in the car. A lot of our conversations happen in the car. And I'll be talking, and I'll just be talking away about something, and I completely forget to give Sophie any space to get a word into our conversation. And sometimes I get so carried away by what I'm saying, I completely lose track of whether she's even paying attention. In fact, there have been times when I've eventually stopped talking and it's all gone quite quiet. I feel a bit unnerved. I'm like, so, so, what do you think? And there have been a number of times where she's like, I'll be honest with you, and I stopped listening about 10 minutes ago. Can you remind me what you were saying? And I think it's just that in those moments, I often, I find that I get so wrapped up in what I'm saying and what I want to talk about that I forget to give so time to speak into our conversation. <laughs> so we need to create space to listen as we pray. Because I think this is sometimes what can happen in our prayers too. When we come and come before God, when we actually get around to doing it, we can come before God and we just list off everything that's built up, everything that we've forgotten to tell him. But we don't take the time for him to speak into our conversation too. So we've got to create space to listen as we pray. And the other thing that I just want to draw out of this, of these two verses is, don't you find that verse 8 is a bit of a strange thing for Jesus to say? If I was trying to teach and encourage someone to pray, I don't think I'd tell them, oh, by the way, when you pray, God actually already knows everything you're going to pray for, everything you're going to ask. He knows what you need before you ask him. If I said that to someone, their response would be like, so why do I need to do it? I'm kind of questioning Jesus' like, angle on this when he's doing this, but we'll get to it. What is the point of prayer if God already knows what we need, what you're thinking, and what you're going to say? Well, this brings us back to something that Paul actually touched upon last week. That even though God, in his sovereignty, could carry out all his plans without us, his overwhelming desire is to involve us and partner with us in seeing them done. That's his desire. This is God's magnificent intention. The thing that brings God ultimate delight when we partner with him. We get the privilege of partnering in the purposes of God. 
That's an amazing thing. And this partnership, this relationship, is actually cultivated in the secret place of prayer that we've been talking about. Maybe God actually knows better than us what we need. But we come to God and we're like, God, I just need this, this, and this. What if he actually knows better than us what we need? And if we just took the time to listen and then ask for that, he's like, yeah, sure. Of course I want to give you that. This is absolutely what you need. I think sometimes I come to God and I pray and he's like, I'm not giving you that. You don't need that. You need this. Pete Gregg, who is the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, who I'm going to quote a number of times this morning, he says this, The point of prayer is not the power it releases, but the person it reveals. The vision is Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Even the mission is less important than the mission. And this leads us into looking at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. And I just want to point out that Jesus isn't telling us that we must pray these exact words. I don't think that's what this is about. That's not what he's doing here. There is nowhere in the Bible where we actually see Jesus praying these prayers himself, other than when he's teaching the disciples this. So Jesus gives us this prayer as a model. It's supposed to teach us the pattern and the, and the posture of how our prayers should be. It's not about the words we say. It's about the posture of our hearts and our minds before God as we pray. So he says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus begins with, begins the prayer, our Father. It starts with the Father. And I think what Jesus is really getting at here is that our prayers should always start with God. They should start with his greatness, not our weakness. Focusing on his favor, his favor, not our failure. Focusing on his abundance and not our lack. Focusing on who he is and not who I am. The time we spend with God should begin with focusing on who he is and what he is like. Because prayer at its core is not a formula where you just need to say all the right things and go through the motions. That's what the pagans were doing. Just reeling off all of the things they needed. Prayer at its core is about a relationship with God. And it's not... And it's a relationship with the Father, and he's not just any father. This is your Father in heaven, who is holy and good and generous, and is so full of love for you and for those around you. That's the kind of father that we come to in prayer. And just like any relationship, as we spend more time with God, speaking to him and listening to him, we will surely get to know him better. We will discover what he loves and what he despises, what brings him joy and what grieves his heart what he cares about and what doesn't matter to him. We will find out what he longs to see and what he longs to stop. As you get to know someone, you begin to find out what they don't want you to talk about. I have found out that Soph doesn't really want me to tell her about football at the end of the weekend. <laughs> on the drive to work on a Monday, the last thing she probably wants to hear is, what's the update on the scores? She was quite interested when United got this week last week. But... <laughs> Get that in there. Um, but yeah, as we get to know people, as we get to know someone, we find out what their heart is for, what they are interested in, what they delight in. And as our understanding of who God is and what he is like grows, then actually the way that we act and the way that we pray will change as well. Again, just to quote Pete Gregg, he says this, Unless our mission and our acts of mercy, our intercession, petition, confession, and spiritual warfare begin and end in the knowledge of the Father's love, 
we will act in prayer of desperation, determination, and duty instead of revelation, expectation, and joy. He's so good, isn't he? Let's on. When the nature of who God is and what he is like is revealed to us, then hallowed be your name becomes the ultimate desire of our hearts, and it will fuel all of our prayer. As we begin to know the Father more intimately and understand his desires, we will begin to long to see his name lifted up and his kingdom come on earth. It will become the deepest desire of our hearts as we get to know who he is and what he is like. Think about it. The more you get to know God and what he's like, the more you'll want to share him with the people around you. If you don't really know him, why, you're not going to share either what he's really like or you're not going to be motivated to do it. And so when I'm stood here on some Sundays and say, go and tell people about Jesus, go and tell people about God. If I'm just telling you to do that and you don't know him for yourself, why would you tell them? But if you know him intimately, and you know what he's like, and you know how good he is and how much he loves you, and also how much he loves them, of course you're going to want to tell them, tell them about it. And in fact, it's this knowing him and this, this vision and this understanding of who he is that leads us into verse 10. So in the next part of the prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And at this point in the prayer, Jesus begins to teach us what it looks like to exercise our authority in prayer that we've been talking about. This series is about being kingdom carriers. And here Jesus teaches us that, that we can pray for the kingdom to come and God's will to be done through our prayer. And, and if we were to go a little bit further on in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 7, Jesus adds to this teaching and he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. He's saying that when you ask for things in prayer, your Father in heaven will hear you and will answer your prayers. Have you experienced that in your life? Uh, have you experienced God answering your prayers in some way? There have been some amazing kingdom stories that have been sent in this last week. I think it was last Sunday that we, we encouraged you, if, if God is doing stuff in your life, if you see him moving, and you have any stories, we would love to encourage you to send those in and share them with us. Um, and there was this story that came in this week um, uh, from Naomi Wybrow. And, and I'll just read it to you. She said, on Wednesday morning, Naomi was getting a lift um, to work with one of the parents from the church. And she had a really bad headache that she'd had since Monday. So this is Wednesday now. She's had this headache since Monday. And the parent asked, so what's wrong? And she explained. And so the child that was sat in the back of the car that comes to church on Sunday said, can I pray for you? I love that. I mean, we probably just go, oh, that sucks, you should go see the doctor. But the kid's like, I want to pray for you. I've learned about this, so I want to do it. I love that. So the child prayed this, Jesus, I pray that Naomi's headache will be gone by the time she gets to the office. That was the prayer. I think the kids get it even better that you don't have to make it a long prayer. That's so good. And you know what? By the time she got to the office, the headache completely gone. Isn't that amazing? That's a great story. Not just because of the healing, but because of the boldness to ask for the healing. That's why I love that story. And so this is just a reminder that if over the last week or if over this coming week, if, if God is just doing something in your life, if you have a kingdom story, we would love to encourage you to send those in. You can email those in to kingdomstories.cardiffinyard.org. We would love to hear those stories and share them um, over the coming weeks and months. 
But the reality is that we don't always see breakthrough, do we? We don't always see immediate breakthrough. As the kingdom of God is both here now, breaking in, but is also not yet fully here. In, in the Vineyard Church, we call this the now and the not yet. And if this is a concept that you're not familiar with, then I'd love, I'd really recommend that you listen to the talk that we had last month from Derek Morphew, who came and spoke to us about the Kingdom of God. You can find that talk online, and I'd love to recommend it to you. But that being said, when Jesus walked the earth, he demonstrated remarkable authority for sickness and deliverance and miracles. He demonstrated amazing um, authority. And he had an unprecedented success when he prayed. Because, as he declared in John 5.19, he only did what he saw the Father doing. So how could he fail when he was simply joining with what God had already begun? How could he fail when he was just joining in with what God had started doing? How then did Jesus develop such an acute awareness of what his Father was doing, what his Father's will was? It came through the time he spent with his father in prayer. I believe that. That's where it came from. Pete Gregg reiterates this in his book, Dirty Glory, which I highly recommend. Uh, get a copy of the paper, but if you can, get the audio book. Man, he tells a good story. He knows how to tell a story. So in Dirty Glory, Pete Gregg says, his public authority flowed from his personal in intimacy with the father in prayer. His public authority flowed from his personal intimacy with the Father in prayer. And here we get to the heartbeat of my message this morning, that greater intimacy releases greater authority. That's what I want to say to you this morning. Greater intimacy releases greater authority. Greater intimacy with God in the secret place of prayer releases greater authority as we seek to carry the kingdom in the public places that we go. Greater intimacy in the secret place releases greater authority in the public place. The secret, then, of becoming king, the kingdom carriers that we were called to be is found as we seek intimacy with our Father and pursue his presence. Here's the bottom line. If you want to grow in carrying the kingdom, first you need to grow in seeking your Father in heaven. I'll say that again. If you want to grow in carrying the kingdom, first you need to grow in seeking your Father in heaven. John Wimber, who helped start the Vineyard Movement, said, We don't seek God's power, we seek his presence. His power and everything else we need is always found in his presence. Please hear the heart of my message this morning. We can do loads of things in the name of God. We can have great services, we can build a warm and welcoming community, we can serve the poor and we can love the lost, and we can even carry the kingdom and restore this city. But if we do all of these things without prioritizing above everything else, seeking God himself, then we have missed the point. We have missed the very point. God doesn't just want our service, he wants our hearts. I don't want to be like those in Matthew 7, who it says will one day stand before their Father in heaven and say to him, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Only for him to say to them, but I never knew. Imagine the tragedy of doing all the things that God calls us to do without experiencing the joy of knowing him. It's like Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. 
Martha thought she needed to be busy doing all the things that needed to be done, whilst her sister Mary saw that the best place to be was spending time with Jesus. I loved our worship this morning. And, and I don't really enjoy worship because I'm not a great singer, but I love being in the presence of God and giving him glory for how good he is. And I loved that this morning. You know, Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead so that we could have a relationship with our Father in heaven. So why would we miss out on that? Why do all of the things we could do and miss out on the whole reason Jesus came? This is my last Pete Gregg quote of the talk. He says this, I am convinced that our constant activity is fruitless without first making that humble act of kneeling to pray. I am convinced that prayer is not only our greatest privilege, but also the greatest source of our power. As we, learn in, as, we, as we lean into prayer as a church in this season of Lent, and especially over this next week um, of 24-7 prayer, our desire is to release life into this city. That's our desire. We ought to pray for the good things that God has prepared for Cardiff for tomorrow to be released today and seen in our and seen in our day. But above all, our desire and our goal must, must first and foremost always be to pursue God, to seek Him, to know Him, and to have a relationship And that is the beauty of this season of Lent that we're entering into. And why we are encouraging you to go along to a prayer gallery, or to sign up to go to the 24-7 prayer room, or to, to use those prayer cards that you've been given, or to carve out five minutes in your day to do the exam, daily exam. That's why we're encouraging these things. These things are there to help you make time and space in your week to be intentional and to prioritize prayer. We're not going to force you to do them, but we'd love to encourage you to connect. Try and spend some time in your week to be free from distraction and with God. In Jeremiah 29, God says to his people, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God knows the plans he has for us as a community, and he knows the plans that he has for this city, and he invites us to call upon him and seek him. And he invites us to partner with him. But he also invites us to simply know him. It's not enough for us to settle for his power without his presence. To be satisfied to see his favour without his face. To be content with his authority without his friendship. This morning I want to remind us that his power is found in his presence. And that we are to be a people of the presence. So if you're able to, why don't you stand?